talk about revolution That's going a little bit too far So love me, love me, love me I'm a liberal Hello, and welcome once again to More Like the Worst Wing, the podcast where in 2019 we watch Aaron Sorkin's seminal television show, The West Wing, with a bit more of a, let's call it socialist, leftist perspective on a 20-year-old formative political TV show. I'm your first host, Stu. And I'm your other host, Dave. Although Dave is occasionally the first host, and I am occasionally the other host. We we run non-hierarchical here on the worst wings. That's right. We are horizontally organized. We're a commune. (laughs) (laughs) So this episode is episode six of season two, entitled The Lame Duck Congress. And oh boy, if, if the concept of a lame duck doesn't have a lot of relevance in 2019 i do not know what does because we are currently in the governmental situation we are in largely due to some lame duck shenanigans mainly the appointment of a new supreme court justice that was just categorically denied or lack thereof yes exactly (laughs) so the episode opens where with uh, we're, we're talking about a nuclear test ban treaty that is being mm-hmm. proposed and being, you know, as a function of government, needs to be voted on by the Congress. And for some reason, this is directly following an election and they're waiting yes. to seat the newly like constituted I feel I feel like this houses. episode should have been at, right after the midterms episode and, like, maybe some shuffling got done or something because this feels extremely post-midterms. Well, and so maybe maybe it was, and the Ainsley Hayes thing happened like in the vacuum of like two days. Uh, co- okay, that's fair. But sure. but it doesn't it doesn't make that explicit. And by having that sort of that like crammed into the middle of this stuff, it's it really disrupts the continuity mm-hmm. of of what's going on. So we assume that it is the correct time in the administration. We're two years in, right? Where they're going to be having midterm elections, um, correct? Which happened two episodes ago, and now they're seating the new Congress. So. Okay, slightly disrupted last episode. Right. Anyway, so the political quote-unquote crisis, because Jesus, of the episode Mm -hmm. (laughs) is that they are voting on whether to ratify a comprehensive nuclear test ban treaty. Correct. And the White House is questioning whether the newly constituted Senate will provide them with the votes necessary to essentially to vote I on right. this treaty. Right. They, they had the votes in the, with the old Senate. Uh, but now they're because of the, even though the houses are mostly the same in terms of control, certain individual senators have been lost and new ones have been gained. And so they're unclear about, about their vote total anymore. Yes. And so again, with the concept of a lame duck Senate, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, guys, between November 8th and January 4th or whenever the 20th, new, you know, you, you see, uh, no, Senate, they have different dates they, it's because different for Senate. Okay. yeah, um, like things still happen. That's right. like almost two months of time. Right. <laughs> and so this, they, they put this bizarre stress just like categorically on the concept of the lame duck Right, and that you shouldn't do shit during it, essentially, which is what they build up to. Uh, I've basically spoiled the whole plot line, but 
But yeah, it's basically th this idea of like, well, now you've been voted out, so during this last little bit of your term, you clearly shouldn't do anything uh, because you've been voted out, even though the people who voted you in want you to serve your entire fucking term. Lame yeah. duck or no. Which, like, so am, are my constituents supposed to go unrepresented for right. those two months? Like, what if important, and the, and just like this, what the if Republic, important things happen? The Republican argument is, yes, they are. Uh, and <laughs> when, apparently when it's Democrats convenient. are stupid enough to buy into it. <laughs> yeah, when it's convenient, yes, that's yeah. exactly when, what it should When be. it would help us, then yes, and when it wouldn't, then no. <laughs> yeah, so... This is just kind of, I mean, again, in, in context of Supreme Court appointments with fucking Scalia dying, mm -hmm. rest in piss, um, <laughs> like, th this has extreme relevance to today, obviously, but I feel like a lot of this media portrayal of this stuff set the stage back in the late mm -hmm. 90s, early 2000s when... For this decorum idea. Exactly. Of, of, hey, we all respect the rules and the process here, and... And all this shit, and, and that just went out the fucking window the second <laughs> the Republicans realized that they could get literally any advantage by ignoring it. Well, and this was this was a very Newt Gingrich level strategy. Was mm -hmm. where can we poke at the edges of this thing to start it unraveling in our favor? Right, in just small, are... subtle ways at first, yep. so that you know people don't get apoplectic about oh my god they're fucking taking control of the government no if you just kind of bite at the edges like a like a reeses that you don't want to get into the peanut butter on uh then you can just kind of do it slowly and subtly over the course of years yeah and i think it's a it's a very i mean it's an effective strategy because the american especially the media attention span runs on the order of days mm -hmm. these days, you know, and our, our collective memory 24 hour news cycle. Yeah. Yeah. And our collective memory doesn't extend much past the previous administration. So yeah, honestly, nowadays who even fucking remembers what happened in the nineties? Who in... remembers what happened two months ago? <laughs> you know, we, we would talk about it like, Oh my God, that felt like it happened years ago because there's just so much, so much going information. On. There's too much bandwidth that we can't process the scope of things in the long term. Well, and so the other interesting thing with the lame duck thing is so, and we're, we're going to skip ahead temporarily slightly. Yeah, we're kind of going to go all over the place this episode, because to be <laughs> fair, so does the episode itself. Hooray! Um, it is overall quite boring, uh, as <laughs> Stu has already expressed in the thread. <laughs> yeah, um, so they Toby sits down with the senator that they mm -hmm. end up being specifically concerned about switching his vote. And so... I'm very, I'm extremely torn by this because the concept of it being like, oh, well, I'm not going to betray my constituents by voting during a lame duck session is ridiculous. But mm -hmm. they, they sit the senator down and have him be like, okay, honestly, I have good faith reasons for not voting this way. But then what the, who, you, you said this before we started. Who is the fucking constituency that's going to vote against a test ban tree? <laughs> right. Like, it's, you know, this is the same, like, argument that, like, oh, who cares if Joe Manchin voted against banking regulation? I'm like, well, then who are the pro-banking, who are the anti-banking regulation voters in West Virginia that he's catering to? Like, what fucking constituency 
voted this man out because they're like, <laughs> no, you know, banging on the table, more nuclear testing now. <laughs> yeah. Like, is is the, and I'm almost positive he's from, he's a senator from West Virginia. It's funny you <laughs> mentioned it. Um, is the, is like the main export of West Virginia, like low grade Nukes? enriched uranium? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah i get it if it's like okay maybe if in nevada and like there was this weird you know like oh half the people work for the company that does the nuke testing or whatever but like i don't think there's really that big a can you know even we you know the coal miners get more fucking you know than than the nuke testers i was just like envisioning it's like a car commercial except they've just got various grades of nuclear explosions going off in the background being like we tested sixty thousand nuclear bombs last year yeah and so they're also i made like i wrote a brief note and it's just this and I, I'm going to be speaking. In- well, here, hang on. I, Go to ahead. Circle back around. The thing with the center that bugs me the most is that he claims the reason he was voted out was specifically because of this issue. Like that's the thing. If he if he had lost for oh you know oh you know the guy ran super pro abortion or pro guns or whatever that's one thing. But he claims he lost specifically because of this issue, and that's what makes it the most unbelievable. I think. And I think even. I mean, even today with the wealth of polling or sentiment analysis we can do in the year 2000, who is who is polling your electorate on nuclear test bans? How right. how can you say Wait, that? Where does this authority? fucking rank on the fucking priority <laughs> list of your average voter under <laughs> issues of like health care and education and whatnot? Like where's test ban treaty? You know, yeah, and then, like this that? can be an election losing issue if you come down on the wrong side of it in certain yeah, districts for, or states. Of my mind all the, the time. whole states. <laughs> like that's the other thing. Like, okay, fine, one district, like some rep- representative. Like, oops, I happen to live in the same district where the testing company exists, and all like half the district is employed by them. All right, fine, but this guy's a senator of an entire state. It's just yeah. even more ridiculous. Yeah, and. Also, and I'm again, we're kind of speaking in broad strokes about, you know, what issue sways what here. But I'm going to go ahead and and do it in the case of a like a Joe Manchin-esque thing here. Like if you if you identify with certain set of principles and you like want to represent, I mean, frankly, your party and the ideals of your party at this point, then fuck your constituents. If they voted you you out for reasons that are antithetical to your politics, fuck them. Yeah. You what are you going to lose? You've already lost the right. election. Right. You're not going to get point. voted back in again. You know? <laughs> <Yes>. Like yeah. <laughs> so like, why not just a... like do the work of your party at that point and show loyalty to the party since the constituents have like revoked their loyalty to you or show loyalty to the like I said the original constituents who did vote you in. And you know, like <laughs> sure people change their minds but you're still you're you're representing those people who gave you their votes initially still and to the to that full end of your term lame duck or no you know just just imagine the the test ban treaty gets ratified so hard there's just new elections spunked right yes special elections across the country as people go apoplectic about fucking no more nuclear testing now testing now today yeah, so just um, 
Like this is this is ludicrous, and again, it's another it's another. It's just kind a of... weird issue to pick to do this dance about. Like, the, mm-hmm. like it would have worked for a bunch of other, you know, like it's abortion, you know, yes. gun control, you know, any any of these things that really could that divide an electorate, you know, yeah. and that where if you run on like super pro life in a super red district, yeah, you probably will win. Just running on that kind of shit. That is super divisive and not, you know, they reference in the episode itself, Toby says that the test ban treaty has an 82% overall approval rating. The idea that there's some district where it's actually like 50-50 is insane. Yeah. Like, like it's, it's just, that's not how statistics work. <laughs> like, <laughs> even in That's all a these... fucking hell of an outlier. Even in all of these things we're talking about, they picked the worst one to go with. Here. Right. And also just I mean to kind of roll it back a little bit like they they talk about recalling the Senate which literally means bringing them back right, to Washington in, because they've to left. bring them in for yeah because everyone's gone home for vacation and whatnot at this yeah. point. And you know this happens over the holidays mm-hmm. like it's just sort of to to be expected. Sure. And now we're bringing in like the negotiation of committee assignments in the new like the new constituents. Right. Yeah, the, they're the they're training around house. Um, it's, it's very, it's dealt almost exactly the same way the ambassadorship dealing got done in like a few episodes ago where with the whole like shuffle of this guy becomes ambassador of this, who becomes ambassador of this. Yeah. And it's the same thing, but committee assignments instead this time. Yeah. And also it's just, it just feels so fatalistic out the gate because Leo's sitting here carping about like, have you, he literally says, he ever tried to wrestle like a hundred senators into line and a no b <laughs> i believe if i'm not mistaken a vote passes with 50 you right. don't you don't need 100 and whatever whatever a fucking quorum is at that right point. yeah you're you not know. you're never you were never going to get 100 anyway leo mm-hmm. like yeah so what's the what's the what's the real concern other than being like well other than gonna like we're to, gonna have to have some awkward conversations like <laughs> I guess like, I need to make a phone call. Yeah, like we just have to actually. Ticket? Uh, I mean, well, first off, it's, <laughs> it's ridiculous that we still require in-person voting for shit like this for the Senate and House. Like, you know, we have ways of verifying who people are and what they do online. You could just have a senator live stream his vote, and it's fine. You know, like, wh- why do we need this physical? It, uh, yeah, and all of this goes back to, and this is kind of my argument we were discussing before the show too of. That all of this is just fucking predated from a time when, like, travel was took forever. You know, when it took you fucking weeks to get your horse and buggy down from Pennsylvania to Washington, D.C. You know, that's why there's this months-long lame duck period mm-hmm. for fucking... And, like, w- this shit should have updated, you know? We have planes now. We have cars now, you know? You're not going to be beset by Indians. <laughs> You're not. You don't have to go on a fucking Oregon Trail mission to get to goddamn DC anymore with broken oxels and shit. Mm-hmm. Fucking oxels. Uh, that was a portmanteau of oxen and axles. Uh, I like it, man. <laughs> yeah. You can go with it. <laughs> uh, so it's just you know it's a very outdated. Like this is one of these things that I I assume the founding fathers figured like oh they'll just patch this shit up with an amendment one day obviously obviously once travel gets better and just like if you could wake them up today and have them look at it they would just go dear god in heaven (laughs) what have you You done you still have this fucking three-month lame duck period (laughs) yeah yeah 
So that's you still have the... political parties. <laughs> it's not just direct representation. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? The um, and so that's kind of like that's the framework that of the episode that all of these other things happen within mm-hmm. is this discussion of the test ban. Yeah, everything is not, about this. Yeah, um, whether or not to call it the all Senate ties back. back in. Yeah. Other than uh, Donna Donna's OSHA uh, <laughs> thing, which we'll get into more. Uh, yeah. So let's take a quick, quick break here, and then we'll uh, we'll get into the couple other issues discussed. Okay, uh, so getting back to what we just left off on, uh, Donna's subplot throughout this episode um, is bringing up OSHA regulations, specifically in regards to the White House, and more specifically in regards to ergonomics, which uh, was, I'm guessing, sort of not, if not brand new, brandly newly popularized uh, in the time frame of when this episode was written. Yes, I seem to uh, recall Car- big... Carpal Tunnel was, yeah. you know, was starting to kind of hit the news of like, hey, this is a real problem, you know, that it is actually affecting people. And it's a pretty serious, you know, repetitive stress motion injury, you know, is can be very serious and painful uh, and is a real issue. And yet throughout this episode, it's basically played off as comic relief. <laughs> Or as, like, just kind of like, oh, this is one of Donna's silly bugaboos that, you know, she'll, she gets attached about and then nothing really comes of it. Yeah, they use her uh, to do, like, the walk and talks with Josh a couple of times where mm-hmm. she's bugging his ass about this thing that they, they kind of brush off, like you said. Um, but it's, I mean, it's, I think the OSHA part of it is really interesting because, frankly, this was the time, the period in time when you started to move all of these jobs into clerical positions. You know, we keep talking mm-hmm. about how the economy has transitioned to service workers from, you know, productive workers or whatever. Right. And frankly, and OSHA, the, co- the computerization of offices, yeah. you know, and it makes carpal tunnel such a bigger issue as people spend all their working days on computers nowadays. If you're, you know, not doing blue collar work, basically you're, you're almost always behind a computer for eight hours. And as always, you know, the, the admins at the White House have it right. So solidarity with Margaret yes. and yes, with uh, they even organize a fucking slowdown, <laughs> yeah. uh, a, a work slowdown, which unfortunately Margaret breaks ranks at like the first resistance. So <laughs> as soon as Leo says little, little shameful there, sadly. <laughs> yeah. Leo literally just has her look at his angry face and she gets back to work. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, props for trying to organize something like to, to gain, you know, uh, then of course it all eventually gets shot down with the uh, with the fucking great revelation that Congress is immune from its own laws. Yeah, and th- and therefore the White House doesn't have to do jack shit about OSHA regulations. Yeah, the White House does not need to apply OSHA regulations to its workers. <laughs> which, Hooray! Which is a great, great. Hey, <laughs> we win, everyone. Yeah, great way to uh, maintain some real solidarity there, two guys. Way to go. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's just like yikes. Well, and, I don't know. Well, speaking of other yikes, like with business stuff, there's a there's a subplot here with oh, Ainsley. <laughs> as we use, as we kind of actually, frankly, it's deliberately like we get more Ainsley Hayes in this episode. Yeah, well, the dynamic before we get to the actual reveal of what the thing is, but the dynamic of hey, Sam needs her help on a thing. She kind of flirt plays, you know bullies him a little of like okay i'll do it but only if you let me go to this meeting because i want to learn from the master and plays him like a fiddle (laughs) and stuff like that like that's all cute and good and well done and but then it's in service of 
So he has her write up a uh, a summary of a memo about uh, was it about employee fraud? Did she, yes. Or she turned it into so that? Okay, so it was about that. They're talking about yeah, something about, um, where this it's going to cost small businesses too much money to put these rules in place. Uh, new regulations. Yeah. yeah, new regulations in place. Uh, and then, so he he wants her to summarize this memo. In, in summarizing it, she basically changes the position in it, where it was, like, super pro, uh, anti, or it was super pro these regulations, and then she basically flips it around to be Republican, like, no, actually, regulations are bad. Uh, and, and Sam just kind of rolls with it because she makes a very convincing argument or whatever, but her argument is total bullshit and stupid. Uh, it's basically like, no, all these employees are fucking stealing from the company all the time. And then as she lays it out, she's like, but they're the rich ones and they're in management and they're, and they're white men yeah. and they're, and I'm like, oh, so you're just describing capitalism. <laughs> it's like, yeah. There's this, it's like <laughs> all the old rich white managers are stealing from the company. Yeah, no shit. Welcome to the revolution. Ainsley, congratulations. It's, it's like, it's like, she's got this guided missile just going in and then all of a sudden it's like whoop nope now it's a republican talking point it's like, right for God's now sake. it's actually about fraudulent employees stealing precious things from the company and um, you know this is actually like even engaging even engaging the issue with the within the frame that it is like they talk about the small business association and oh these small businesses make up the backbone of america regulations and like, yeah and yeah. and sam is like it, it's just so strange how you know, I'm again. First of all, he comes out as a huge poster here because the first thing he says about it is like he literally says, and I quote, "I can't unleash my full potential in a two-page summary." Like, yeah, man, same. I also can't unleash my full potential <laughs> in in a few words. But yeah, and so he he just like it's just organically understood that when they have this like tete-a-tete in Sam's office, that he comes around to her viewpoint without actually seeing the thought process that he goes through. And right. it's, I, I don't know, Sam's a smart dude. We've we've talked about it in the past where right. he's not the kind of guy who's going to sign on for bullshit. So right. why now? Yeah, and even even this, this kind of stinks of the whole, like when he took the oppo position on charter schools to kind of like, and then trolled Mallory by not admitting that he was just like doing it just as an exercise and not what he actually believed. <laughs> Except this time it feels like he's changed his actual beliefs though. <laughs> uh, because she just made, you know, because she made a, a, a good argument. Um, and it's weird. Yeah. And they, they sit with Leo or whoever it is and just talking and it's just, I don't know. Like they, they refer to this thing as, the fraud triangle right <laughs> it's like, what in the fuck <laughs> and and the the things they're describing are like being poor being hungry and being worried about your job like security. being billy the, yeah like basically being like the fucking javert like this would be how he describes being someone who's willing to steal for bread essentially like aha and like that's <laughs> That's you're just describing the status quo now, man. Like right, this is what just, everybody like, endures on a daily wow, basis. Pe- people are economically insecure and will take easy opportunities to try to relieve that. No fucking shit. Whoa, you like, that's, truly that's the argument. 
that's the argument in a nutshell. Yeah. It's like, what well, when people are very, very poor and there's opportunities to steal stuff, they're gonna take it if they think they can get away with it. Like, well, yeah, okay, and <laughs> and and well, so maybe we should make people less poor. Yeah, if, <laughs> no, that never seems to be the conclusion. Oh, you're you're telling me if I'm not stealing from my boss, I'm stealing from my family? No shit. That sounds <laughs> yeah, like a meme or fifty I've seen. Yeah, also, there's also that argument of, to it of like, of course, fucking steal from work all, <laughs> yeah, all, you all you can. Do it all the time, everyone. Yeah. People listening to my words right now, go steal some shit from work. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just, it's very, it's, I mean, it's, it's very West Wing. It's a white collar like perspective of because the people who are watching this show are understood to be in that, the managers. are understood to be yeah. in that threatened class there. Because, right. you know, I mean, the the show is marketed and written for an educated liberal audience that right again like they they don't give a shit they're probably you know hooting and clapping they're probably like the ones seals being about this. concerned about employee fraud themselves exactly. like yeah that fucking janice is stealing staples <laughs> goddamn yeah, god damn it how am i gonna make my targets for next quarter blah 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 so <laughs> yeah and also I, I would just like to say that like some of the terms they apply okay you're talking about a small business how the fuck is there an executive anything right. described as an yeah. executive Yes, this goes back to the fucking the definition of small business we have in the fucking political landscape is insane where you know giant corporations get classified as quote unquote small business because they meet certain criteria and so you can't even trust that the small business dog whistle is actually being aimed at small businesses anymore because oftentimes it's not yeah you know we're not talking about like a, a shop in a strip mall that has four employees where, you know, we're talking about something with a board of executives <laughs> yeah. and calling it a fucking small business. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and frankly, I mean, the, the argument that I, you know, you can easily just turn around all the time is just, Oh, like, is your small business failing? Like, I guess the market has spoken. Right. Sorry. Yeah. So if you can't keep up with the fucking regulations of you can't sell poison or whatever, <laughs> then like, oops, you're you weren't market efficient enough to fucking cope in the jungle of capitalism. And and again, tough titties. <laughs> and again, the the rhetorical usage of any of these terms, and and frankly, like you said, most specifically, like the rhetorical usage of the term small business is mm. so confused and propagandized at this point it's right up there with middle class exactly you know it's just it's the most generic way of saying like but these people are good you (laughs) know small business owners good middle class good let's not worry about defining what those groups actually are too much yeah it's almost it's almost kind of like a prototypical thing that of this thing that is actually invoked by the right wing now of virtue signaling where it's like actually yeah you are you're almost doing you're projecting on this thing because i'm gonna it's, i'll put it out here that like i am married to a person who runs a small business like we have audience yeah, my mom my mom runs yes, a small who business. are small but they those are like that is not the that's not the connotation that these terms have taken on right no yeah they're not talking about like one person blog coaching (laughs) you know they're they're, they mean you know a small business of oh you own a few franchises that's pretty small in the grand scheme of things yeah so it's just really super i mean it's super neoliberal and very much again Mm -hmm. it's it's quintessential west wing approach to these sort of topics from an economic perspective Absolutely. 
Let's take another quick break here, and then we'll wrap up a couple other topics, including a drunk Russian ambassador. So the last sort of overarching issue that comes up in the episode is they make a very big deal of the fact that there is a Ukrainian government official who just shows up in a limo at the White House and starts demanding an audience with the president. And is drunk as hell. And so they mention this several times before we even see the guy. And then they carry the guy through, give him a few lines with his interpreter, like play it up for yucks. Slash bodyguard. Yeah, that that he's speaking Russian or whatever. And nobody understands him and they can't get through to him. Right. Um, And then it it just sort of peters out and and turns out that all he wanted was sort of the... um, like the PR coup right. of having encountered the president. Right, of literally having seen and spoken a couple lines to the president and shook his hand. Like, and that's so all the, he wanted. The administration basically figures this out at the gate and sort of deftly maneuvers him into a situation where he'll just, oh, happen to run right. into They have the a president. standard formula for this sort of thing, basically, is what Leo tells Josh, because Josh is the one who's kind of dealt you know, they shove him into Josh's office, and so now it's Josh's problem. And so, which leads to a couple funny lines and whatnot. But, yeah, and then Josh goes to Leo, and Leo's like, look, we just kind of do a thing where you'll be talking to him, and the president will happen to drop in, and then he gets his big meeting, and then he goes yeah. home happy. And that's exactly what how it plays out. And it's and just super uneventful, essentially. Well, and the funny thing is, Dave, you mentioned this, is that it's a reference to something that actually happened yes. in, like, the real world. So, yeah, uh, I, I knew this this rang a bell as I was watching it, and then I think in the actual official West Wing Weekly episode about this episode, uh, they mentioned this as well, but I did look it up, and yes, Boris Yeltsin, uh, in 1994, uh, showed up drunk near the White House, not at the White House, he was on Pennsylvania Avenue, uh, dead drunk, clad in his underwear, yelling for a taxi, uh, and he wanted to go out and get a pizza. <laughs> so I can very super relate to Boris Yeltsin. Uh, and I spent many a drunken night going to the Lazy Moon Pizza outside UCF in a similar quest for pe- drunken pizza. <laughs> Yeah, the article says the word pizza quest. I'm like, man, (laughs) many a Thursday night has been a pizza quest. My favorite Atari game. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, like, it ends up up not really um, playing into much other than the fact that we are meant as an audience to conflate this with the discussion of the nuclear test ban. I guess, but, like, it does, not even tangentially does it really come up other than just, like, he's... He's Ukrainian, a.k.a. Russian, a.k.a. Cold War, you know, and Josh gets a line of like, God, I miss the Cold War. Like, <laughs> so I guess, I mean, y- yeah, you're I think right. It subtext. is. That's the link, you know, and yeah. that is the subtext. It's yeah, it's tangential at best. And like like I said, it's sort of the Margaret calorie muffin storyline of like, mm-hmm. this is just thrown in for some easy, cheap laughs of like, haha, he's drunk and Russian. It's it's Chekhov humor from Star Trek the original series. <laughs> yeah. You know? The nuclear vessels. Ah, vodka was invented by a little old lady <laughs> in Leningrad. <laughs> there across the bay in Alameda. Yeah. So, and like, I guess sort of on a broader subject, like talking about this shit, Toby eventually gets 
like this extremely convenient captive audience where he walks into the door of the White House while a tour is going on and he just pontificates mm-hmm. about this treaty. About and being why, like, well, why it's like, good. Yeah. yeah, about why it's good. And so what this is sort of, to me, it's emblematic of the propaganda value of the West Wing as a show because here's the thing, and I know that most of our listeners are already aware of this, but the United States talks a big game about these sort of international agreements, but we almost never sign on for any of them. Mm-hmm. There are so many historical like treaties, statutes, conventions, whatever you want to call it, like agreements between the nations of the world brokered by the UN, brokered by whoever, that the U.S., it will make it into the news mm-hmm. or some sort of culturally relevant. Um, it'll it'll of, captivate the news cycle for a while. Yes, yeah. it'll it'll be disseminated to people in the U.S. Congress but, will talk about it a lot. Exactly, but then but. the government will never officially sign on or put its stamp of approval on these things. And to make a brief list. Like, we could start with the fucking the Treaty of Versailles. Oh, man. Let's go. Like, yeah, let's go all the way back here. Like, in 1919, when World War I ended, we just didn't ratify it. Right. Like, and, uh, and all the while, we're talking about and, and making a, a propaganda point of, oh, our leadership in this realm is unprecedented. Like, we're taking dramatic steps to do X, Y, yeah, and Z. Yeah, we get to claim all the credit without actually following through being accountable for it so there's other things like i just popped up a quick google search for this there's actually an animated there's a gif online somewhere of like it just signs it blinks through pictures of the globe with like these countries signed on and there's a big white space wherever the u.s is but it's like the international labor convention the geneva conventions never signed we're really not Um, big on international cooperation (laughs) in general like as a rule unless we get to be totally in charge then we're all in favor of it uh, like, but at uh, that point, it's not really cooperation; <laughs> it's capitulation. <laughs> uh, convention on the elimination of all forms of discrimination against women. Jimmy Carter put it forward; still hasn't been ratified. Um, convention on the rights of a child never ratified. Um, and the, again, uh, the, these things don't even come up for votes, right? Like usually, they're not like, even on the record on yes or no, right? It's not like, like they're getting knows? voted. Yeah. They, they just kind of disappear into the, like the nuclear test ban treaty that this episode is literally references by name. Yeah. <laughs> Not, we didn't sign it. Uh, banning mines. Uh, it's the Ottawa Convention. Aye. We never signed. <laughs> International Criminal Court. Not a party. Um, and then the biggest two, honestly, with relevance to 2019, is both Kyoto and, and Paris. The Paris Accords. Yep. Um, and... We it's, just couldn't let go. And of, it's not just a symbolic thing. You know, not signing these things makes it so much easier to just fucking ignore them. You know, whereas if we ratify them, in theory, we're actually held to the standard of whatever we ratified. Yep. In theory. And so I think the the concluding scene of this episode actually makes a lot of points about it where, <laughs> first of all, Toby gets in an argument with the president and fucking quotes Edmund Burke eat my asshole like conservatives suck shit like good job bristol for like kicking that guy out of politics forever but the reason that the president is 
able to uh, regard all of these no- negotiations so flippantly with mm-hmm. like an utter, like an air, a laissez-faire air. Like he doesn't care what happens to the Caspian Treaty. No, He's not, not concerned at all. at all. And it's only because of our military and economic hegemony that he can do so. Right. All of these other, all these other nations, these other countries are... Don't have that luxury. <laughs> yes, they, they, they lack that luxury and they are more concerned with frankly, like regardless of the nation state's motivations, building international solidarity and consensus and around issues, yes. issues that should be, that need to be, be dealt with on a universally level. With, yeah. yeah. That can't be dealt with country by country. Exactly. Know, and because of shit like climate change or nuclear testing affects everyone, not just the country in which it happens. <laughs> yeah. You, you said that because of nuclear testing, a large portion of Nevada now exists in the atmosphere it, as radioactive dirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it was normal, non-radioactive dirt in, in the ground. And now it's part of our atmosphere and it is radioactive. Yeah. So great job. Yeah, and so much of the modern American policy, not only like directive, but even the Overton window at large, is defined by the fact that we don't need to give a shit because we maintain mm-hmm. a fucking huge standing military. Just look at the attitude towards the UN or or UN sanctioned you know, actions in general, yeah. or just the idea of international cooperation on any level is viewed. Just kind of dismissively and, and as a joke by your average, you know, citizen here. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's that sort of spectacular level of self-involvement and presumption. It it trickles through into the culture at large. You yeah. Know, that's, that's why we're the asshole Americans after a while. Right. It's because we've operated with impunity since World War II, frankly. Yep. Absolutely. So, this is a nice little encapsulation of that phenomenon in a little dialogue between Toby and I, you know, eat my asshole Edmund Burke and all, but like Toby sort of taking like a more principled position on this stuff. Right. And the president just being Bartlett, like, ah, they'll forget about it. Yeah. Bartlett is just <laughs> taking the actual real politics stance of like, yeah, but we're America. So fuck it. <laughs> Which is just fucking God Which, I mean, him. sadly, he's right, though, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is the problem. <laughs> and, you know, the, apologies to, if we happen to have any international listeners, like, we, like yeah, there's, there's I mean, a growing know. portion of our population that understands this phenomenon. We're trying. We really are. We're trying the best we can. But, you know, yeah. just listen to the Eisenhower speech about the fear of the military industrial complex and realize that everything he said came 100% true and, and even worse. Yep. The idea has been there for a long time. There's so there's so little we can do on an individual level on these things until sort of the political you can I feel the sense that like the political will is forming and like yes. some of these opinions that that would ne- never bridge the mainstream are starting to get there. Like, you know, this discussion about Israel in a in a real sense and stuff like that. But these are all topics we'll get into in later episodes. I'm I'm certain. Yeah, um, absolutely. So let's kind of we'll we'll wrap down here, um, and we'll just say that I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Um, I think we covered pretty much everything. Um, <laughs> CJ and Danny was, have a, a nice little yeah. dynamic going on that I I'll mention for a brief moment, just because I enjoy the bit of she tries to get you know uh, the president to kind of like to take slight retaliation on the Washington Post for publishing these negative op eds about 
their administration, and the president's like, alright, I will cancel our Washington Post subscriptions, and CJ's like, that's fucking great. We buy 1,100 of these every day, it will send a great message. And he's like, no, 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 I'm just talking about my own personal subscription to the Post. (laughs) And Danny's like, damn, I'm going to have to go tell Circulation we lost $32.95. Breaking in here, I've included the clip of the president and CJ and Danny talking here, but um, this is also another instance of President Dad, which we'll we'll tend to dig in on a little bit more um, going forward, uh, where... (laughs) The, the president is just like, I'm way better than you, so I know what's right. Case closed. And nobody ever bothers to challenge him. Anyway, here's the clip. Good evening, Mr. President. Danny, I think you guys have had your heads up your asses for the last few weeks. I hope you don't mind me saying so. Of course not, Mr. President. Not only that, but I think you've been trying to bait me, which is a waste of time, paper, and ink. I'm like 50 times smarter than any of you will ever hope to be. I've got an election to win in two years, and I'm not about to alienate the Washington Post. Yes, sir. I'll tell you what I will do, though. I'm canceling our subscriptions. <laughs> yeah. well, and, and I, and I just like that. <laughs> their, their interaction, too, where CJ's like, I'm going to leak this to you. And he's like, yeah. And she's like, I'm not telling you I'm leaking it to right. you, but I'm leaking it to I you. I won't he's give like, you. Uh, yeah, he's like, can I say White House source? So he's like, no. You can, can I say sources inside the White House? Like, yeah. You could say distant relatives of a third cousin yeah. of a White House source. And he's like, that sucks. And she's like, take it or leave it. He's like, I'll take it. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> yeah. So well, I enjoyed that. that- yeah, that and there's dynamic. a bit about him, like, uh, his editorial, st- which actually is pretty, like, I find there's parallels to this today, too, where the Washington, or whatever, his editorial staff is taking a dump on the administration. Right, and he goes, oh, well, I don't, you know, I'm just a reporter, I don't handle the editorials, which yeah. is, that's something that the New York Times loves to pull, too, of, like, Absolutely. oh, but the op-ed is separate from our journalists, like, bull fucking shit, <laughs> you know? There's yeah. obviously an ideological, you know, sharing of of interests going on there. Well, there's a brief bit where Ainsley makes a reference to Danny's cuteness, and it's like, does she know about CJ and Danny? Yeah, it's like, kind of gross. It must it must be like the least kept secret in the White House. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> where she's been there less than a week and has already picked up on like, oh, so they're fucking right. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> There was one other thing. I swear to God, I wanted to talk about one of the blah, blah, blah. Yep. Did the treaty, did the thing. Oh, there, there is a very brief, which I'm sure a particular listener might get up on us about. There's like a list. They sit in a meeting and they're listing out who opposes and who is in fan of the nuclear test fan treaty. Mm-hmm. And it's just like. It's it's 45 seconds of credential checking. Oh, well, you know, a former director of the CIA despises the test ban treaty. Oh, well, you know, all of these generals like the test ban treaty. It's just right. like, forth, like, like, tell hooray. us, please tell us which elite's opinions to consider. <laughs> you know, don't and, let and us make the, up our mind for ourselves. And, and for this particular issue, wow, all the bloodthirsty warmongers dislike a test ban treaty? Shocking! Oh, shit! <laughs> Yeah, um, so there's that. But I think that's about it. That's pretty much covers it. Um, go ahead and start doing the sign-off bit while I Googled the next episode. <laughs> All right. So thank you again for joining us. Um, if you have any feedback or you would like to, heck, record an episode with us. If you've got one of that's your favorite. Yeah, why not? We would love a time, guest star. Absolutely. Let us know. Um, 
I like to think that, you know, I'm a pretty cool dude, but yeah. there are a lot of other cooler, funnier dudes out there and ladies out there or Absolutely. non-binary gendered individuals Whatever, out there. as long as you have a hot take about the West Wing, you are welcome. You are welcome to join us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so our next episode is The Portland Trip. Uh, it's always fun when we get to leave the White House. Uh, so they are overnighting to Portland uh, for an education speech. Uh, meanwhile, Leo remains behind to monitor a tense situation in the Persian Gulf, uh, and then something about same-sex marriage um, with the gay congressman and Josh, which I remember their little argument. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Oof, okay. Which, so that'll be fun to dig into. Um, so yeah, looking forward to that, and we will see you all next week on another episode of The Worst Wing. Bye-bye.